Welcome to Bear Books for the love of indie. We're here to highlight and amplify self-published authors. So welcome along. This is season four, episode five. How are you doing, Daisy? I'm chuffing brilliant. Thanks, Abe. What's new with you? I've had a really, really nice email from the author whose book I'm reviewing um, oh, yeah. this week. Yeah. Just a little bit of a backstory, really, about the author, which I found quite interesting. So she's a lover of the countryside. That came through in the book. Uh, she lives in the Yorkshire Dales, which is my favourite part of the world, having spent most of my childhood there. And she's got two new cats, person after my own heart. So the sons have left home, so they've got cats in return. <laughs> you can't beat swapping a child for a cat, can you? <laughs> not tried it myself, but I mean, yeah, oh. we'll put it out there. Yeah. And as she says that she uses her love of the countryside as background for her novels. And I can see that. I really can. Uh, are any of her characters sounding like they're based on what she likes to do? Well, I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot. There is a bit of walking from both of the main characters in the book, but there's no kayaking, but just mountain climbing. Just mountain climbing. I couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah. No, I couldn't either. I'm kind of interested, though, in your author, because I believe that you've had quite a lot of communication, haven't you, from your author whilst you've been getting ready to review this book? Yes. She wrote a first draft of the book and she put that one out for publication, which is the version that I have read and reviewed. But since then, she's also written and released subsequent editions. So the book that anybody reads now won't be exactly the same as the version that I read when I reviewed it. Are we ready to uh, hear your review? Absolutely, we are. Oh, and before I start, let me just say that make sure you listen all the way to the end of this episode because we will be letting you know about the next Flash Fiction, which will be coming up in two weeks' time, what the writing prompt is and what we have in already. Oh, wicked. I know. But before all of that, it's review time. I am reviewing COVID Blues and Twos, written by Anya Fox. outline of this one then our main character jess taylor is in a happy and secure marriage to jace enter an ex that jess still has the hots for coronavirus that threatens to destroy her happiness and what ensues is a roller coaster of a ride for all three of them truth be told though i didn't really see much of a plot there are hints at an actual storyline that could be a future prequel or, as in this book, it just could be what it seems, a hint of something with no deeper meaning. I think the author is an intelligent writer with a quick sense of humour and a strangely engaging pull, which got me through to the end when I was ready to give up at around the 30% mark. I'm glad I finished it though, as I fell a little bit in love with Brian, the standout character in this book and the best judge of character too. <laughs> Jess, our main character, lives a free and easy life knowing herself and her sexuality and being true to that no matter what. The problem is that there are times when that behaviour is highly inappropriate, bordering on a flat-out personality disorder, where it stops being refreshingly free and starts being a little bit uncomfortable. Jess apparently loves and is in love with her husband, but even when he needs her to rein in the free and easy attitude, she pushes those boundaries and goes off to sleep with her ex in the next bedroom. There is nothing deep about this story unless balls deep counts. 
The COVID part of the story, when Jess's husband is in the hospital and quite literally on death's doorstep, doesn't even slow down the inappropriate public nakedness. This is bluntly written titillation, so if you're looking for a quick fix, wink wink, and you are fairly quick, this could be your perfect book. My takeaway is that there is probably so much more to this author and maybe with a few more books under her belt she will be better known for her intelligent humour which was the highlight of this book and those fleeting deeper moments she hinted at will develop into a bloody good read. But it is classed as erotica and erotica is definitely what you get. So I'm assuming that you're going to give us a bit of a, a read of part of the book are you or is it too sort of blushingly not able to read it no i will do a reading from this book i don't have any problem with that i will just make sure i've got the e for explicit on <laughs> right okay i've got some questions to ask you from that so how is covid going to ruin life for all of them and it ruined everybody's life not just theirs yeah, not just or theirs. not as the case so COVID's going to ruin their lives. I mean, yeah, all right. So it's something we've all had to live with and it's something we've had to adapt to and work around, etc. But how's it going to ruin her life? Well, the husband contracted COVID to a degree where he was literally on death's doorstep. Okay. So it was quite hair-raising for them. Didn't make a point of clothes on, but it was a hair-raising moment and she does love him in her own way. What do you mean it didn't make a point of clothes on? Well, there was a scene where she's she's wearing no pants and she's propped on the at the end of the hospital bed with whatever is showing facing the doorway. So anyone that walks in the door is going to get full frontal. Right, okay. So she's just... It's not titillation when it's stuff like that. It's It's more inappropriate and, you know, really, does somebody need to be having a word? Yeah, somebody needs to be having a word. So what's her husband's name? Jace. Right, so Jace, so Jace knows about the ex. Absolutely, so she, she's definitely honest. How does that work then? Sort I mean, of. I know how it works, you know, I'm <laughs> sad. I'm not completely stupid, let's put it that way, but you know what I mean. Oh, yeah, okay then. <laughs> well, they had a conversation about it all and her husband agreed to the ex coming to stay. Why, I have no idea. Well, he agreed to her going on a date and meeting the ex and he dropped her off and, and was to pick her up and everything. But when she got to the meet, the first meeting with the ex, she came back to the car after getting out of the car to take her pants off. So can I just ask, have they got an open marriage? Well, I don't think that she would be too pleased if the husband was doing it, but it's OK for her. Right, OK. So who's Brian? Brian is my favourite character in the whole book. He is the dog. <laughs> All oh, right, okay. I thought it was somebody that it kind of really made me laugh when you said he's the most, possibly the most sensible, best judge of character. I'm thinking <laughs> it was some somebody that was really astute. It's the dog. Yes, but Brian is astute and he is a good judge of character. Go on, tell me why you think that then. Well, he's not particularly fond of, of the knockoff. <laughs> right, the ex-boyfriend. Yeah, he's not particularly yeah. fond of him at all. Right, okay. It is amusing, you know. She'll she'll snog anybody. They go to the corner pub with the locals, and she she thinks nothing of full on snogging like the geriatric gents at the bar. And she's just there is there's just no line. It's there's, it's not erotica for erotica's sake. It's it's inappropriate. 
can I just ask you something? It's COVID. Yeah. Pubs have been shut for months. So when did she go to a pub to snog an old man when her husband's... Before they got COVID. Ah, right, okay. So, you know, she didn't go out snogging everybody during COVID. Well, apart from the ex-boyfriend, let's face it. Yeah. So, I mean, when you said to me, I'm going to be reading a book about COVID blues and twos, (laughs) right, I had in the back of my head a book maybe about the emergency services and how they dealt with COVID. Yeah. And somebody had written a novel around that book. It's nothing like that, is it? No, no, it's nothing like that. It's sex, sex, more sex, inappropriate sex, balls deep sex. It's a lot of sex. And then husband gets COVID and gets really, really ill. And she's still having sex, even with a poorly husband. Even when he says, don't go next door, she still goes next door. The author maintains that she absolutely 100% loves her husband. But when he's ill, the last thing you want to do is go next door and fuck the ex in the next room. Well, yeah, there is that. So no, that that to me doesn't is not love. That to me is self centered, self centered depravity. Self centered is exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. She is the most insular person. But maybe yeah. she's written that way particularly because Onya Fox likes to create a reaction in her readers. Possibly. Have you read anything about the the author or? She did email in to say that she has since revised and re released this book so there is a slightly different version of this book out now on amazon maybe there's not enough sex in this version go on let's have a listen to your reading and then we can have i can make some comment about that right so before i get reading on this one because it is quite full-on erotica I haven't chosen which bit might be best and we're just going to take potluck. So you choose me a chapter and I will read you the first couple of pages and we'll take it from there. Right then, well, let's go for chapter nine. Okay, chapter nine. I don't know why I've picked chapter nine, just a random chapter nine. It's as good a number as any. Are you ready? I'm ready. Jessica tried to visit Jason, but the hospital allowed no visitors, not even for those dying or giving birth. She had Honora's phone number and arranged to retrieve her own mobile from Jason, replacing it with his phone, iPad and charger. They FaceTimed several times each day, which mostly comprised Jason croaking the odd word as Jessica chattered away about her day, avoiding Chris's arms and legs in the small cottage and flashbacks to the past days in ICU. She strummed the guitar and sang for Jason when they ran out of things to say and they watched films together. Jessica arranged Microsoft team chats with friends and family. She knew Jason could not be trusted to arrange the calls himself. Jason handed his phone to one of the other patients for a long talk with Jessica each evening. The man struggled with his emotional and mental health, having also survived COVID intensive care. Trish heard the news from Amara and teamed Jessica. They invited Jason to the conference video. After a few questions from Trish and hoarse answers from Jason, The two women gossiped as if he was not there. Jason could listen to his wife's voice and giggle all day. Comforted, he half listened and half dozed. Jessica felt pleased to have Jason in the room, although he contributed little to the conversation. At least you have company, Jess, and Amara tells me quite the hunky sugar daddy. Hunky, yes, and older, not sure about the sugar daddy. But at least you know you could, Jess, if you wanted to. True, I suppose. 
Ladies, sick husband sat here. In a sec, love. Yes, I could do him if I needed, but it's only been a few days of lockdown. You can't be that desperate. Chance for a bit of self-love, and I have some towels for washing, if that helps. Both women laugh. I know all about self-loving, Jess. I am a professional single girl living in the provinces, and I work too hard. But when you can't, it's worse, like forgetting to take a bottle of water to your hotel room. Suddenly you feel thirsty. Well, that wasn't too bad. I think you could go on a bit. Do you want a bit more? Yeah, you've kind of left us a little bit in the lurch there. <laughs> OK. Go on then. How did the dating go? Disaster, Jess, to be honest, but with a silver lining, I suppose. I am chatting with two guys since just before lockdown, both local. Ben is a real hunk, but a bit of an airhead. Bill is a lovely guy, but nothing to him. Both are my type, not too tall, blonde, blue eyes, not too skinny. Chatting, Trish. Yeah. Text, couple of calls, FaceTime. Ben and I were doing a bit of sexting and we even did a FaceTime masturbation session together. Jessica squealed, making Jason jump. We both lit candles, soft music, you know, all romantic. We even chose the same pizza and wine to have. Doesn't sound like much of a disaster. The date went on for hours and we came up with a plan for meeting up at mine. Jessica tuttered. I know, Jess. Social distancing and everything. So we decided we would wear face masks and rubber gloves. I'm kind of into a bit of that. Anyway, it was only part of us fantasising together. We even decided that we would do it doggy style so as not to breathe over each other. That was that. It would never actually happen. And I think we realised we would probably never meet after lockdown. I want to know who's Chris. Chris is the ex-boyfriend. Ah, right, OK. So why is she avoiding his arms and legs in the small cottage? Because he's very, very tall with very, very long arms and legs. And she just okay. feels like she's tripping over him all the time and is in, in the way and under her feet. OK. I mean, looking at that bit of chapter that you, you've, you've read out, she has got a little bit of humanity to her because, you know, she's FaceTiming her husband who's in or could just come out of COVID intensive care. Yeah. And she's got some friends there that, you know, and she's talking to the guy in the next bed. Who's... Yeah. So there is some empathy there. She's not all bad. It just Maggie didn't was... sit terribly well that the husband is, is on death's doorstep in the hospital and she's at home and she's moved the ex in. He's actually living there for a couple yeah, of weeks because he's, he's in isolation and he's not allowed to travel back home yet. But that doesn't mean to say she's got to jump into the next bedroom and shag him, mm. does it? No. <laughs> well, it's not, a, you know, it's not a, a necessity. It's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not an obligation, you know. Yeah. I really don't know whether I would read it or not. Having, basing it on the bit of the chapter that you read out, it's kind of over the garden fence chat, that really. Though I can't ever imagine having a chat over the garden fence with any of my neighbours about sexting and masturbation and face mask and gloves and doing it doggy style to be fair <laughs> yeah well actually yes and when you say it like that i mean i'm sitting here saying oh yes you picked a tame part but we have got sexting and doggy style and masturbation and a bit of fetish in there with the rubber gloves and yes the masks etc so you know not so tame no not so tame <laughs> we had lockdown yeah 
and a lot of people started to do things in lockdown that they'd never done before. And I know this is like have sex with their husbands. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> love it. I'm I'm just sort of thinking about this book, and I'm assuming that this book was written. It had to be written either in lockdown or just after the first lockdown that we had. Mm. Because I do understand that she has written a few more books that I'm assuming, I'm saying assume, you shouldn't say that word, should you? Not really. I've got more guts and more depth to them than this. Um, I don't know if Covid Blues and Twos was actually a very first one or not. I'm not sure about that, to be honest. But it's not badly written. It's less erotica and more gratuitous for me, personally. Yeah. I like some story with my sex. If, well, not my sex. When I'm reading it. <laughs> <laughs> you just get your partner to sit there and read a bit of Jeeves and Worcester, do you? <laughs> I like a proper story. I'd show up if I were you. I really would. <laughs> just leave it at that. Look, I know what I'm trying to say. I'm just not saying it terribly well. <laughs> no, you're not. I like drama and raunch in the same book. Yes. If I'm going to read erotica, I want everything. Yeah, a lot, a lot of meat on the bones type thing. Yeah, I never did like skinny buttons. <laughs> you know, I think we should stop right there now. Can we switch to your book now, please? <laughs> yes, of course we can. <laughs> So, I have read Ullandale by Liz Martinson. And the reviews I read about this book on Amazon, etc., did actually cloud my initial judgment. Handsome hero, Scottish castle, kilts, village people who all love their laird. The story centres around Kate, who takes a job at the castle, even though she has a dislike and a mistrust of landed gentry. An opinion formed due to a teenage trauma she'd suffered at the hands of their neighbours whose son thought money entitled, entitled him to anything he wanted and didn't take no for an answer. Kate arrives at her new job through quite a, a mysterious recruitment process. She's made to feel really welcome when she gets to the castle, no more so than by Ewan. Very handsome, extremely personable, who instantly is smitten with Kate and he's very persuasive in his desire to have a relationship with her. To Kate, Ewan turns into the man of her dreams. However, there is a spanner in the works in the form of the lad's sister, Liz, who Kate believes has a romantic interest in Ewan. The story is set in a remote Highland Scottish castle. Kate, working as a social hostess and outdoor pursuits organiser, a job she is more than qualified to do. Liz Martinson has a real flair for the descriptive, the scenery, the castle, but most of all, the description of the moments. The author gave a really good description of the crash that Kate had. The description of the weather was very vivid, as was all the description in and around the mountaineering, the setting, the lock, the mists, the mountains. It was really, really good. I actually did get lost in the author's words, which I think is quite unusual for a romance novel. They're normally quite superficial and the two main characters take over, but not in this. So much attention was paid to the setting and the scene setting of the surroundings. I like the way the author headed the chapters with dates, sometimes even adding whether it was morning, afternoon or evening. She's done an awful lot of research in my opinion, 
especially into the climbing aspect of the story. Unless, of course, she's a mountaineer herself, but then she would know. There's a story in the book that's not just a love story. And in my opinion, the book is better for not having filled the pages with irrelevant sex scenes. I'm not a great lover of romance stories, but this one had more meat and grit to it than that. A good read with a cup of coffee. I wouldn't recommend it for lovers of horror, sci-fi, thrillers and murders, but well worth whiling away a day with coffee and cake. Wow, thank you. Okay, so I have some questions. Okay. Basically, because I've not read the books. <laughs> no. <laughs> so Kate is our main heroine of the story, yeah? And Ewan is yeah. the love interest. Yeah, I wouldn't really call her a heroine because, you know, the, the typical sort of Mills and Boone romances. There's not a heroine and a hero. It is. She is. She comes across as quite ordinary. Yeah. Um, she's gone and got a job. It's it's an ordinary setting. She's working. She's grafted at that job. So she's not just standing around flipping a duster or something like that. She actually is getting involved. She's, she's organising social events at the castle. She's helping them set up for... Um, for dinners and things like that. So she's kind of thrown herself into this job with a real gutsy attitude. Oh, right, okay. And is Liz Ewan's sister? Right, so... Why does she fancy her brother? Y you've asked if Liz is Ewan's sister. I, I can't really answer that. <laughs> because Why? Liz is the sister of the Lord of the Castle. Okay. Is Ewan not the Lord of the Castle? I can't answer that. Is it going to ruin the book if you answer that? Is that what you're saying? Yes, yeah. Well, that almost makes it worth reading, just because I want to know now. Oh, what crash? You said Kate was in a crash. Yes, and that's the bit of the book I'm going to read out, actually, because it does give, I think, sort of a, quite a good insight into the writing of Liz Martinson and the way that she writes things. OK, so before you do your reading, though, you said she was really, really descriptive and you really liked how descriptive she was. Did it make you feel like you'd been there? Was it descriptive enough for you to know what she was talking about? Yeah, I think it was. So, and, that, and that's what I mean by sort of... So she was talking about when Kate started working, she was talking about her going down into the kitchen and then into the sitting room and all the kind of things that she did, setting tables and that sort of stuff. So you could actually picture what she was doing at the time that, that you were reading the book. The, the whole of the book isn't just revolving around Kate and Ewing's romance. Yeah, so there's a lot of descriptive stuff in there about sceneries and... All the things that are happening. Yeah, there's a lot in the book about that, about other things. I mean, she goes out on a walk with, with Ewan, so they walk around the lock, they walk through the castle gardens. So she describes the castle gardens and then the walk and what the weather is like. So it's not just, oh, it was a nice hot sunny beach and they were there and they took the clothes off and had sex and that was it. Which is what most of them are like, isn't it? <laughs> and that yeah. was really, really refreshing to read. I suppose you could say an old-fashioned love story, but it wasn't too mushy. There was a lot more to it. Yeah. So when you think about, um, there was a, a film crew came to the castle and, uh, all right, you get your sort of winty, handsome, inchy, lovely type thing. But it wasn't really about that. It was about the stuntman or stuntwoman not being able to perform the stunts. And so Kate, being a mountaineer, got roped into doing that. Oh, interesting. So it's got a lot more grit to it than just a normal, ordinary romance. So what was the language like then? What, what's, what sort of writer is she? Is it, is it, it flows. flowery or is it simplistic or... I know descriptive, it's definitely descriptive from everything that you've said. It's an easy read. 
Okay, yeah. So it doesn't, you know, we, we don't have to swallow a thesaurus to understand what she's saying. Excellent, but still but descriptive. Does, yeah, but it's not like it was written by a 14-year-old either, if I'm making sense there. Yeah, yeah. So it's adult, it's descriptive, but it's simple enough for you to enjoy the moment. Yes. Uh, so are you going to do us a reading then? I am, yes. Perfect. Ewan reached the car park and saw that Kate had drawn alongside his battered Land Rover. He tapped on her window and she wound it down, shivering in the thin sharp wind which edged through the gap. I need some diesel, he said briefly. I'll stop at the garage on the way home, but I won't be long. You keep on okay. Take it slowly and if you feel at all worried, just pull over. I'll be coming up behind and I'll keep my eyes open. The snow had started to fall rapidly now, fine flurries being whipped and tossed by the wind, whitening the roads and beginning to form ever-growing drifts. Hewan flashed his lights briefly at Kate as he pulled off into the garage on the outskirts of the town. She acknowledged his gesture with a quick salute of her hazard warning lights in return and continued to drive as fast as she could towards Ullendale. The sky had darkened far earlier than normal and the driving snow was making it difficult to see the flakes whirling and dancing out of the gathering darkness into her headlight beams. Kate drove on slowly and carefully until she came to the steep hill before the turn to Ullendale. There she changed down a gear and picked up speed, worried that she would lose momentum on the hill and floundered to a stop on the greasy road surface. It all happened without warning. Lights passed her coming down the hill and behind them was another set of lights which suddenly veered and wavered in front of her. Whatever it was, the vehicle had lost control in the snow and Kate realised in horror that it was going to crash into her. She went cold all over and her stomach clenched in fear. A tanker, a small tanker, the type that carried domestic fuel oil. Biting her lip, Kate breathed sharply, her foot pressing down frantically on the accelerator as instinctively she swerved over to the right, attempting to turn away from the oncoming vehicle, but feeling helpless as the wheels span and she lost traction. She could see now the driver's white face and his frantic movements to correct his skid. For a brief moment of hope, Kate thought they, they might miss each other. Then a gasp of pure terror escaped her as she realised the collision was inevitable. There was an ear-splitting crash, a scream of metal on metal as the near-side front of both vehicles met in a bone-shaking impact. Kate felt herself flung back in the seat as the car was smashed around. The airbags exploded and the windscreen shattered into glittering fragments as she lost control of the steering. Automatically gripping the wheel, she continued trying to give the car some semblance of direction. Just as she thought it was all over, the rear of the tanker swung round and hit the car again. Kate threw her hands up to her head and screamed as she saw the tanker looming over the car for the second time. Somewhere, metal tore and crumpled. Kate felt her arms stabbed through. In a reflex action of panic, she pulled her arm sharply back and down, sending an agonising pain shooting up to her shoulder. She felt sick, dazed, disorientated and full of fear. The force of the second collision sent her car spinning, slithering and crashing into a wall on the far side of the road. But Kate was aware of nothing except flashing headlights raking through the thickly fallen snow in a strange contorted dance. The sound of a screaming car engine and her own whimpers of pain and fear. 
The headlights failed and the crazy spinning dance continued in total disorientated darkness. Sudden pain filled her head as she was flung sideways onto the door pillar. A scream was torn from her lips once more as the car hit the stone wall with a tearing, rending sound scraping harshly along it. More metal splintered and crumpled until the car finally came to rest in a battered heap. There was the ticking of hot metal as the engine stalled and died away into silence. Kate felt cold, cold snow on her face. Then she was drifting, drifting into a vast blackness shot through with light. After everything you said about her language and a descriptive way of writing and everything, mm. I really enjoyed that reading. That's good. I would pick that up and read it because I really like the language she's using. I thought it was really good. When you first sort of look at it and you think, oh, it's a romance, it's a, you know, it's a love story, it's got more depth to it and more oomph to it than yeah. just a bog-standard love story. Yeah, it's not... A pimped-up car crash with unnecessary drama. It's no. what happened in the moment, how she felt where the car was going, what was happening. You know that the vehicle's coming towards her. You know that potentially that is a very dangerous vehicle to collide with because it could yeah. just end up in one massive explosion. You know, it is something that I actually want to read now. Yeah, it is. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I can see why. And it started off as a really good sort of read as well. Yeah. Because you get the timeline as well. So it starts in May 2015 in London when the Earl of Ullendale and his sister are told by the solicitor that after the death of their parents, there's absolutely nothing left after all the death duties have been paid. They don't have to sell the castle, but there's no money to run it. Oh. So they've got to start to think of what they can do to keep the castle within the family. All right. Interesting. So then we jump forward sort of 15 months yeah. to September 2016 in London where the job advert is put into the paper for a social hostess and outdoor pursuits organiser for an exclusive country castle and they're looking for somebody that does tourism, career work, winter sports and outdoor pursuits. And that's Kate, so, I take it. And that's Kate. And one of the qualifications is mountain leadership and climbing instructor certificates are essential. Wow. So Kate's not She's she's actually got a job, a profession. Yeah, so she's not there's... some fluffy love interest. No. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. So you're not going to get somebody, you know, that nips along to the local nail salon every three weeks. I mean, I know that kind of story does appeal to an awful lot of people. And I think we've said before on the podcast, you know, that Mills and Boom make an absolute fortune. I enjoyed the characters uh, that work at the castle. The solicitor who... He's dealing with, with the case. He's, he's quite a quirky character, David. Yeah. It turns out that actually David holds a bit of a candle for Liz. They're good, solid, rounded people. And, and you get to know that in the village, there's a real sort of community spirit within the castle and within the village. And the villagers haven't got a bad word to say about the castle and the owners. There's a lot of, of guts and a lot of depth and a lot of personality there. Yeah. And it really comes across in the book. It's not fluffy. There's a, there's a lot of community spirit. I will sit and pick the books that I think, oh, that looks like it's right up my alley. I'm definitely going to review that one. But the bit that is more special than that is when you introduce me to a book I would never ordinarily have picked up to read and you make me want to read it. 
and that that is something quite special that we have on this podcast and i am really grateful to this podcast for it Mm, that's really good i mean there's been books that you've read as well that i've got on a to-do list to read i think that everybody has got a certain genre of book that they'll pick up and read i mean i like the the liz's description of the jetty yeah so the jetty was several feet of weed-covered rock exposed beyond a gravelly foreshore. Boats tied to the jetty were sitting well below the level of the boards. Katie nailed deeply. She threw her head back, gazed across the water, which was covered with crisp little waves running with the fresh breeze. Nice. It's really sweet, isn't it? Good language. Because you can see it. You can. And that's what I've said. You can actually see. So you could be stood on that jetty watching yeah. those waves dancing and flipping and you can see them. So, yeah, I thought that it was really good. I love that we are both learning to be a little bit more open-minded, a bit more accepting and a bit more adventurous in what we're reading. And I truly, truly hope that the people that are listening to us feel exactly the same way. Me too. And I really do hope that we are encouraging people to pick these books up and to actually read them as well. Well, I know for a fact people are following along and reading the books that we're reading which is really, really good to know. So can only encourage that and hope that more people join in. And I'll tell you the ending of the book if you want me to, but not on the podcast. <gasps> Definitely not on the podcast. No, don't tell me because I actually I do then. want to read it. You're so read I don't it, want yeah. to know. What have we got coming up on the next episode? It's our flash fiction and the title, I believe, is Scam. <gasps> the Scam. And I've not written a thing and I've got no ideas in mind whatsoever. You're going I, I to lastminute.com it again, aren't you? I, most probably, yeah, because that's, that's what I normally do. But all I can think about for scam is, you talk about Ruby ruling the roost at yours. Yeah. Clive stands on the kitchen table whenever I'm in the fridge or I'm cooking or anything. Yeah. And when I turn round, he does this almighty flop onto his side. Like he's too weak to stand up and he needs whatever it is I'm cooking. Uh, oh, that is brilliant. Go, Clive. Does it work? Well, I'll tell you what, that cat deserves an Oscar. <laughs> because the other day he was sat washing his paw, right? And I could see him sat on the table washing his paw yeah. out of the corner of my eye. Yeah. And the minute I turned round, he dropped his paw off on the table and fell over onto his side. <laughs> There's your scam story right there. Anything Ruby does to you that you could pick on up on? No, she never scams me. She's daft, that dog. No, she just has you wrap round her little finger or a yeah, little Yeah, she doesn't paw. need to con me or scam me to do anything. She's just I just do it anyway. Do dogs have toes? Yeah. They've got paws, but what are paws, the Paws, but they've they've got the four little nubbly bits round round the yeah, pads. The, the nubbly bits. <laughs> Technical term, not. <laughs> Technical term. We need somebody to email into the podcast and tell us what they are. Yeah. Have you have you actually written a story for this? <laughs> no, I haven't. Not a single darned word. Nothing. Not a thing. Don't have an idea. Don't have anything at all. Something will come to mind and I'll run with it. But at this moment in time, I am open to ideas. If anybody wants to pop onto our Twitter feed or our Instagram feed, or even onto Facebook, and give us some suggestions for stories for the scam, I will be very, very happy to pick one of them and write a story around it. That's good. And you can also put on there what dogs' toes are called as well. Has it ever occurred to you that just occasionally we talk utter shite? 
quite frequently. So haven't we got, we've got some stories coming, I believe, haven't we? We do have a standout winner at the moment. Jerry O'Keefe, who does have a pen name. What's his pen name? Benny O'Caffrey. Yes, that's right. He sent one in for the scam. That is ingenious. So all parents need to be taking note and you definitely need to be listening to that story in two weeks' time. And that's about enough from us today. Take care of each other. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Now you've had a listen, why not pop over and join us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Or if you want to send in your stories, email us at submissions at bearbooks.co.uk. Bye.